one. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to my social life. This is the podcast where you can hear the life stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. And today is an episode of The Social Report. And The Social Report is a monthly podcast in conjunction with TrueFan, where we sit down and talk about some of the most interesting social media and influencer marketing news from the last 30 days. As always, today I am joined by Karen O'Brien, TrueFan CMO and TrueFan advisor Scott Birdie. Welcome back. Back to the podcast. Yeah, Jacob. Thanks, dude. Babe. I'm excited. I, again, I always look forward to this. I got a couple of good stories. I know we're going to talk some Olympics stuff here, but before that, I want to make a bold prediction about something completely unrelated to the Olympics. Um, but it comes down with TikTok. And my bold prediction when it comes to TikTok is that we're going to see gaming, like you're going to be able to start playing games on TikTok itself. And so here's kind of my backing up that prediction is so. TikTok recently launched a gamers hub within their platform. So it's just part like a page within the app that's all around gaming. All the channels that you want to follow are there. Gaming videos are there. Um, this comes just a couple months after a couple of gaming acquisitions. So they bought, uh, not so not ByteDance themselves, but their gaming division, which is called Newverse, acquired Moonton at around $4 billion in March. Um, and they also acquired C4 Games in April. They don't have financial details on that, but so they acquired them in April. And both of those, um, I believe both of those two publishers are actually mobile developers. And so this is them looking to go head on against Tencent, who has the most popular, um, it's, they have, uh, what's it called? Um, PUBG, I believe, which is a multiplayer game, and that's a popular on mobile, very, very popular game. So they're trying to go against Tencent and Moonton, which was actually founded by an ex-Tencent employee. So they made these two recent acquisitions. They launched their Gamers Hub. And if we flash back a couple of years, ByteDance in 2019 launched its first game through Douyin, which is like their TikTok equivalent to in, in China. And I had just did an interview with Chris Stokel Walker, who's been chronicling TikTok over the last year and just released a book on it. And he said, whatever you see in Doyen usually comes to TikTok a couple months later. So clearly they were testing it a couple months or a couple of years ago. It probably didn't work, but with these recent acquisitions, especially mobile game companies, my prediction is that within the next 12, 18 months, we'll start to see uh, mobile games available to be played within TikTok itself. I have nothing to say about denying your prediction i mean this is all relatively new news to me i have to say like did first of all jacob did this did your background in the tiktok like parent company space and all of this come about through that interview um or were like no. is this stuff that you're aware of like some of these acquisitions before it even that interview the actually i learned about the most recent gaming acquisitions through um through prepping for that interview because i wanted a full time uh, on tiktok yeah. um and it just came up and when i was doing research for that um but back in 2019 that i think i found in a press release for one of these acquisitions or an article about one of these acquisitions so the 2019 info um about them testing apps was talked about in one of these articles about the acquisition which i googled just to prep for this interview ah makes sense yeah well i mean it makes a lot of since on the user end of it, they're all looking to get entertained. I think like that was a clip uh, or a piece from the clip of the Instagram. Is it the CEO over there? Or I forget which role he played the CEO, I think, um, that you were going to talk about later on. But did he talk about like how now Instagram users are searching for entertainment. So like if I draw the parallel to TikTok in that like reference, he was ultimately referencing the fact that like, they're becoming a lot more like TikTok, I think, was like the underlying text of that. Would you agree? Yeah, no, 100%. I think like the 
so we can kind of, I'll kind of combine these two stories and we'll just get them both knocked out in one here. Um, and so, cause what he was saying is that they're trying to be more entertainment focused and this and that, but the, where, where TikTok's advantage over Instagram is, is the fact that TikTok started as a content platform. I don't think TikTok is a social platform. It's, you can call it a content network or an entertainment network, but it's not social. You're not going on to see what your friends, your social people you're social with are doing versus Instagram started as a social network. You went on there to see what your friends from high school doing. Your parents went on there to see what their kids were doing. And now Instagram has the challenge of trying to change their users' behavior from it being a social network to it being a content network. I think that's going to be part of the hurdle. It's not obviously TikTok also has some superior features. Their algorithm is way better, but they've also, when you use TikTok, you're using it in a different way than you use Instagram. And I think that's a challenge Instagram's going to have. Big time. And I guess where I was going with that one is to say that like, if he's suggesting that they're pivoting Instagram to more of entertainment source at the end of the day, which is what's being suggested by moving more towards video, then TikTok must be thinking in the background or like strategizing on how can we continue to go above and beyond in our efforts to entertain pockets of users or just users in general. So whether it's like more widely applicable mobile games and things like that, that sort of get like injected into the game or the, uh, the app as it is right now, or stuff that's maybe like influencer specific games and like on off the back of the app that starts to come out and that easily gets pushed through the app. Um, it's, obviously see why they would want to do it. So I think it's a good prediction. <laughs> and I mean, it also comes off the back to Netflix just announced they're going to start doing video games as well. So we're seeing more of these video first companies start to do games. Um, and it's just, it was just interesting. And kind of on the on one thing I will say in defense of Instagram um, is they've never just wanted to be a photo sharing app. Like in the, I sent a, an article to a, it was a bit of a, I said, it was only sent, I sent it to you guys like 45 minutes ago and it was a pretty long article. So I don't, don't expect you to read it, but it kind of dives into the history of Instagram and Instagram when it launched with bourbon was photos and videos, but from like a bandwidth perspective, it, just, it was early 2010s when they were doing it. So trying to do photo and video in an app was challenging. So they removed video from the app originally just to focus on photos. So it was like they essentially built their MVP with just photos with the intent of incorporating video anyways. So a lot of people are upset that Instagram's changing away from photos, but photos was just the first step. And they've always had, like this was Kevin Systrom who was talking about this. They've always had the plan to get to videos. Karen, what do you have to say about this? I'm curious. I think think gaming makes a lot of sense for TikTok. My only caveat with that is looking at what China is now doing with big tech. They're clamping down on all companies that are, you know, of any size, Alibaba, Tencent, uh, TikTok to some degree. So I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen. I think there's a lot of skepticism if anything coming out of China right now can succeed globally with the, the crackdown that's happening from, you know, Chinese authorities on big tech. My other question to you two is, is what do you think of if TikTok does incorporate it into the app with games, should they be incorporating it into TikTok or should they be trying to do a separate app? Because I feel like now all these social networks are just trying to stuff any and all features into their platform and it's getting very convoluted. So I'm curious what you think about that. Should it be individual experiences or does it make sense to put it on one? I don't know if there's a right answer. Like I think my initial reaction would be like these technologies have a lot that they can spend R&D and like what makes the best sense in terms of how you approach it. And like, if it's approachable, then I'm sure they'll find a way to do it in the same app because it's just going to make more sense for like the ecosystem and for their profitability. But if it seems like the user experience or like the design of it would be more oriented towards 
the end user as a secondary app, then I'm sure that they'll invest in doing that as well. Because like the answer relies more on the user and the experience that they're looking for the user to have than it is on like, oh, like which makes the most sense because like things are getting convoluted. You've got a billion plus users on your platform. You're not going to try to start something new for a feature unless you can profitably do so. And then you've got to factor in getting, you know, people using it. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And like, I don't know, I have this sort of background thought of like, if they add games, does that make it easier for like, like, do they have some sort of like background agency that actually is a game producer, which obviously like they, they're using to fulfill that one. But will that become an, another extension of like what brands can almost do to activate through influencers? And like, will you start to see custom games that are made around ultimately like influencers and vic- like sort of characteristics that they put out through their pages? Like that to me is just another area where it's like TikTok can go so above and beyond what is currently done today and like further blur a line between like what the hell is product placement or like influencer marketing and activation. Like it's becoming so like digitally integrated to the point where it could be an app. Yeah, Facebook has a whole game developer effort. So I, I can't see why TikTok couldn't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think kind of your point with the branded games, I think how this, if they do roll it out within TikTok, it'll probably be similar to how Snapchat kind of start to roll out kind of like interactive filters. I imagine, I mean, TikTok's just so good with their filters anyways, that they'll probably, the first appearance of it on TikTok will be in the form of a filter. It'll gamify one of their filters some way, somehow, and brands can get involved that way. I think they'll just kind of continue to iterate and improve and evolve from that point. But I would imagine it comes first in their filters, or they they call them effects. Um, It'll start to kind of progress from that point. Can I pull back quickly to that interview again, or like the the video um, about Instagram that was put out where he spoke about like, we're, we're officially taking this step out of this like square photo sharing app. Haven't they been sharing video on that platform for like more than five years now? 2013 maybe so is this just like the official statement to like go like we're competing against TikTok? i got i didn't really understand that part of it i was like are you trying to throw yourself back into like the dark ages of technology like and forget that people actually do share video all over your platform like as of today i mean i like i like the officiality i suppose of his video and like the sort of transparency that they're trying to create but like i really i don't know something has taken me back between like facebook and instagram's video strategy over the last little while with like you see these Facebook things launching that are campaigns aimed at like telling you all about data privacy, but like persuading you. And then it's like this sort of stuff where like, I don't really understand like the reason to position yourself back into like the archaic days of strictly photo sharing, like what we started as. Maybe it's the history. I don't know. I think like for me, what he was probably trying to do with that one, because TikTok or just Instagram just wants you to be posting more videos. So now coming out, they're saying we're prioritizing video and everyone panicked now. They're like, I can't post photos anymore because the algorithm is not going to like photos and I'm going to get less reach. So because now the consumers have created the mindset of photos equals bad. I need to prioritize video. It ultimately ends up helping Instagram get to their goal of more people sharing more video. There's more video coming up, more content, better content will rise to the top. More people will use Instagram if there's more video available, yada, yada, yada. And it kind of trickles down from there. So that's my thought process was why they came out and said it was just because to get people to start using video more. So even though they're making all these changes around video to come out and formally say, we prefer video to photo, it makes people want to, to get that extra reach and, and use video. It makes the user shift more official than it actually is like more of an internal thing. Like they've long been focused on video. It's now that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's, like that. that's my thought process behind why they'd come out and do a, a formal video like that. 
but no, anyways, that was my, my story to start, but let's, let's talk about Olympics. I know you both have some, some things you want to talk about, Scott. We'll start, start with you there, skateboarding, surfing. What do you, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I just, is, I'm sort of trying to grasp because we've just passed the first, uh, official medals for both of those sports in the like last few days here or in the past week. I'm trying to grasp like the level of attention that both skateboarding and surfing are getting, particularly on social media, because that's long sort of been a hub for like where those sports live, where the culture lives, where the athletes sort of make their money aside from competition. Um, and when I say like I'm trying to grasp, it's because I've sort of just been following a few of the athletes, both in surfing and in skateboarding um, that came into the Olympics. Like I've, I've long been a fan of those sports. But from like the social and the business side, I'm always curious about like endorsements and looking at sponsorship in those sports. And some of the top surfers, like for example, Italo Ferreira, who won last year's world championship, I think came into the Olympics with somewhere in the range of like a million followers, maybe just over. Don't quote me. Could be 1.3-ish. I think on like the top end. He, in a matter of about a week or a few days, I would imagine, just after winning the gold medal for Brazil in surfing, jumped about a million followers. But this is like almost a side story. Um, although he had great engagement on the page and like, I think that those types of nations, right? Like whether it be Japan or like you look at Brazil as such a populous nation, an upside of potential like moving from that third world into potentially like the first world type country, potentially at a certain point, um, like has the capability potentially to do it. Sport is definitely one of those things um, that is going to help like connect a lot of the nation, but like transcend on that and it's super interesting to look at her name is Reza Leal the silver medal winner from Brazil who I'm pretty sure has gained somewhere in the range of like two to four million followers over the course of the Olympics and like she just posted the silver medal picture which you can link it in the, in the bio or the description had like 3.9 million likes on one photo like 123,000 plus comments I mean like I know people's feeds were actually just like full with her, just like all over the feed after she had just won. And I think for like one, gender equality in sports, it's such a huge platform to sort of be like, wow, like there's going to be so many more women skating. The gold medalist, by the way, was another 13 year old from Japan. So the next wave of youth is going to be coming into those sports. Um, and then secondly, just for like the opportunities on the brand side for those athletes now, as they start to progress into their career, like, this young 13 year old from Brazil has basically just catapulted herself up there in terms of like social influence level to the likes of like, I mean, I would almost say Neymar from the side of engagement at the moment, but even Gabriel Medina and some of the more like notable Brazilian stars in action sports, which is awesome both for women and just for those sports, because I don't think there's really a cap on where they can go in the decades to come. Um, and they've, I think often just been overlooked due to the fact that Maybe to go on to the broadcasting side of things, um, Karen, th those were never broadcast sports. Like you just couldn't really get the attention in a live way on live TV, but they do have the cultures on social where YouTube and, you know, those video spots um, where people go to watch competition. So, you know, it could be a bit of a changing tide, if you will. Yeah. I mean, when I put on my media hat, I'm a little bit cringy around the Olympics just because I know what brands pay for those sponsorships, you know, 300 million plus. Um, and, you know, what they're, what are they getting out of it when you can't really find the content? There's no spectators and we have a legacy of so many limitations on what athletes can post in social now. 
I really think that the Olympic Committee should really take a look at their guidelines for athletes, especially on um, you know what they can post in social media because they could have two or three xed their reach in the Olympics. Given you know, I think post COVID Olympics, this is going to be like another thing. I think that just needs to shift because when you look at the posts from some of those skateboarding athletes. There was, there were minimal, they had very, very minimal posts. And a lot of them were at the podium. They were official Olympic pictures. But what we really want to see is the behind the scenes stuff. We really want to see their experience. And I feel like, um, you know, the guidelines kind of forced those athletes to be in a 20 years ago kind of, you know, business model around and, and publishing model around the Olympics. I think where I've seen the most in terms of content, granted, this is also because I don't follow a ton of Olympians, which gets served me, but I've seen a number of content from Olympians on TikTok. Like I saw a video of people because they had the the cardboard beds, they had people jumping on them to see how strong they actually were. Um, I saw like one guy who's just making a joke that like Olympians, we aren't just athletic, like there's other parts to us, like we're all so funny and like different things. Like, so I've seen more content from some of the younger athletes surface on my TikTok than I have on Instagram. And I don't know, I mean, also part of it could be people are so particular about their grid on Instagram, but no one cares what they're posting on TikTok. So like the, one of the videos I saw from an Olympian, like he had his phone and he was like laying in bed like this on his phone, just taking a video. And it's like, he'll never post it on his Instagram because he feels like he has to be like buttoned up for lack of a better word on Instagram, but TikTok, you can just do whatever. So I've seen more content coming from Olympians on TikTok than I have on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. I was watching archery because I'm super interested in archery kind of is in the vein of axe throwing, which, you know, I love, but um, <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. Um, uh, they, just uh, to your point, wait, quickly oh, on your point yeah. on TikTok, I want to add, I think that a lot of, well, purposefully athletes maybe have been told even by countries or like marketing associations connected to the Olympic committees of the countries and such get on TikTok. Like, you know, you, I mean, you only have a finite amount of time in the Olympic spotlight as most Olympic athletes, like I think skateboarders, you know, basketball players, uh, surfers, like the sort of mainstream sports that actually do regularly live online somewhere. You have an audience, but like for a lot of those other Olymp Olympians, you don't really have that much time in any sort of national even spotlight. Um, maybe with the exception for an ad, like a sponsored ad by like Petro Canada or something like that for Canada, right? And for them, it's their opportunity, right? Like just capitalize on the fact that you are where people aspire to be. You are in a place that like is going to connect people around your country to you and put content out there because it can only do you good from like your ability to market yourself, get extra endorsements, be marketable and coming up on the next Olympics or potentially on European and national championships and stuff like that. But mm. just a thought, because I did see, again, to point to Rissa, the 13 year old, but somebody who barely used TikTok um, just looking back on her history up until just before the Olympics, maybe like nine, 10 videos. And then she's done about double the amount of videos just since the Olympics started. And I think gained about 1.9 or 2 million followers by doing so. Like, I mean, in terms of the channels and reach and the changes we're seeing this year, I think the other thing that's kind of distinctive about this Olympics is seeing so many athletes basically putting their own boundaries in place and saying, I am not going to compete because I, for my own mental health or because I'm injured or what have you. And in previous Olympics, you'd see athletes pushing through it, becoming permanently injured or, or just not really competing at a level that was representative of what they're capable of. And 
I think it's wonderful that this generation, new generation of athletes is really pushing back and saying, I'm not going to compete if I think that I'm going to be injured or if I'm just not up to it. I mean, one reference to Simone Biles, is that like an example of somebody who pulled out because of injury, I believe? She, yeah. she pulled out yeah. uh, because of yeah. mental health reasons. And mental yeah. health. And mental health. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't want to bring up potentially some of what's behind that mental health um, struggle, but those, every person connected to that gymnastics um, team alone, just to be showing up and like, there's, there's things that you're facing, no doubt waking up every single day. And yeah, I think it's amazing of her to step aside and actually start more of a conversation, like it, whether that was the intention or not, because at the end of the day, like, yeah, they're athletes, they're humans. And like the pressure that they get put on, particularly like Simone Biles, I hear these people say like, she's, she's not even like the focus of the uh, gymnastics. She's the focus of the Olympics and stuff. It's like, you know, the pressure. Yeah. The and they're saying, that... I read an article where they were saying like the American um, gymnastics team is not really even set up to maximize the whole team that all the pressure is on her. And I think, you know, that's, that's a little unfair. And I love that she's pushing back. But if you look at analogies, like in tech, you've got big stars, like tech CEOs, right? Where like, look at Elon Musk said the other day, like, I'm not going to show up to any more earnings calls unless I have something important to say. Good for him. Like, kind of happening all over, right? So, you know, when you put enough pressure on people, I think, you know, they'll crack or they'll or they'll push back. But I love that these athletes are pushing back. My kind of my interesting thing with this is like, as a, as a marketer, when I watch athletes in the Olympics, I'm like, you need to post all the time, like grow your brand. This is your moment, like in the spotlight, but at the same time, like with the pressure they're already experiencing, social media is just going to amplify that tenfold. So it's like, how do you, as an athlete, how do you balance that? Cause you can't have a team there with you to take the photos, to post everything. Cause you're on your, cause of COVID and everything, it's just you there now. So it's like, how do you balance that as an athlete, like wanting to help grow the sport and kind of leverage this moment, but also not wanting to go on social media because it's a distraction and it can get in your head and all these, all these other things. You know what I mean? But is it a distraction when you're 13? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the 13 year olds seem to handle it well. Yeah. We'll yeah. Be... I think it's kind of like in you. Yeah. It is. It's almost like a part of your ethos, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's just yeah. like what you've grown up around. That's how you express yourself. That's how you connect with your friends. I mean, especially within the last couple of years, it's almost just how you communicate with everybody in your life. Maybe less of a distraction, but I mean, like as a 13 year old it, into the context of the, the 13 year old we talked about where she just grew, what was like 4 million on Instagram or whatever it was. <laughs> there's going to be some negativity in there somewhere. So it's like handling oh. that as a 13 year old at the Olympics when you were supposed to perform has got to be a, I can't even wrap my head around something about Pele, maybe posting on Instagram about you might just make you look past the negativity. I don't know, but I'm sure like, you know, in those moments, like at least if you're a medal winner and like those people who have gotten a bit more notoriety, there's probably such a flood of like amazing response that like, I don't, I would hope that like people aren't getting drowned in the, uh, in any sort of negativity, but yeah, it's all over social. It is every, in every dark corner you dare to seek, uh, unfortunately. Yep. Scott, I saw that you had put up, um, you, you were going to talk about the new ads that TikTok has. And I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of been uh, all over some headlines in the last week or so since they came out with it, but spark ads, um, came out and, it essentially gives brands the option to reach out to influencers in a way that would allow them, if accepted by the influencer, 
to use their native content from their page as an ad creative. Um, and not only that, like one of the most specific things about it that I found really interesting is like targeting by age. So actually being able to restrict, because they've restricted certain content types or branded content types, right? Like things having to do with uh, like betting apps and uh, fintech companies are no longer allowed to do any sort of like branded content that relate to like financial advice and those types of things or banking and any of that. So there are some restrictions, but it just kind of opens it back up, I think, to uh, more capabilities for brands to go back in time, create branded content from things that have performed well, uh, or especially opens the door to all sorts of possibilities and like where you can just seed your brand, updrive conversion. Um, there's been a few reports in terms of like this particular ad type driving about 40, well, in one particular case, uh, a CEO referenced 41 times the conversion percentage. Um, so yeah, that powerhouse move by TikTok, I think like, does something like this exist in a way? No, I really don't believe it does. I mean, you can reuse creative through like Facebook ads and such, but just not in such a, an efficient and native way. Just so I understand how this works. So using, we'll use 420 dog face as the example. Here's like with his, with his ocean spray video. So ocean spray could then go on to TikTok and then ask to use his video. And then they would boost it from his own page. And then they would essentially run the ads behind his channel. Or would that they'd be running ads with ocean sprays account? You'd be running ads with Ocean Spray's account. So like Ocean Spray's media buying team or whoever's doing that work um, is still in charge of, you know, the targeting, the spend, all those types of things. And it's going through their, uh, I guess, business account, right? But what would happen from Dogface's account is basically as a creator, you give them a little, like a code for past content. And that would be like what you can place in as a creative asset uh, if you're on the advertising side for the brand. And so, yeah, it's basically so just creating... So smart because you know it's happening anyway, that the brand's reaching out to the creator individually and working with them. So, you know, very smart, I think, of TikTok to to monetize that and make it efficient. And so um, yeah, and that just incentivizes ads on TikTok. So TikTok's gonna get their percentage from it anyways, and just making it easier for for your user. That's super interesting. Well, then like I mean, I just want to throw like a particular I've been referencing this girl all day, but like She's the future of skateboarding at this point in time, and she's probably one of the most notable people potentially in the world in, in this particular week. Um, so Raisa Leal, her TikTok account just having exploded, right? Like not only has it gotten the recent attention and like, does she have notoriety now? Is she, are people aware of her now? Like if you're Nike, I just scrolled back on her TikTok account earlier and I'm just thinking like, oh my goodness, like there's this one, you know, thing of her where she's like rocking one of those kind of like classic uh modernized like i don't know what you call those like a bag or whatever like a it's like a just like a little a patch here or something like that that you can zip open and like put your stuff in there wallet or whatever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the nike ones you know a lot, a lot of people rock those now men women the cross body was, ones yeah. yeah yeah and she was just like mm -hmm. rocking one and doing one of those little like tiktok dances like if you have a, if you're a brand and you have the money to actually hit people with impressions and you can use like that level of influence in a moment where it's actually like so prevalent and just go back and be like, I mean, she's already a Nike athlete. So it's like the fit is there. I mean, there's unlimited opportunity for brands to either take content that's already worked and reach tons of people and clearly engage the people or just rethink what will, you know? Now, if the platform would use AI to then surface those products to brands to say, Hey, Nike, 
somebody's wearing your shoes and this video is blowing up, you know, you may or may not see it depending on how big your social media presence is. I think that would be super, super interesting. But it'll also stop brands from just sharing content, like celebrity content. Oh, Kim Kardashian's shopping in Rite Aid and we want to take a picture and put it on our Rite Aid social because, you know, she clearly shops with us. No. (laughs) You're making me think of the first thought that I had when I saw this is like, so wait, does the newest, most popular job in social media for brands basically just become somebody who looks at TikTok content, like scrolls TikTok roughly half their week, maybe the whole thing, searching hashtags, basically just finding the content that slipped under the crack that's performed well. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of platforms out there that try to recognize brand impressions from visual content. So it's basically mentions of your brand, but that aren't text-based. Like more yeah. like the listening side of things. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the, the Nikes of the world, they'll have that damn path. They have their data teams and stuff and they'll be seeing the content, but I'm sure some slips under the cracks and it presents another opportunity. Jacob, I know you have something. I should say two. So one, as two kind of questions about from the creator side, when they take my video, do I get those extra impressions added to my video? Or are they two separate things? And as a creator, do I get a, do I get compensated anyway for this? Like what's the compensation structure like from a creator's perspective? I'm not really sure. As far as I'm aware, there's no part of the platform that is officially like a payment gateway or something where like the, the payment is happening through this as well. So like traditional sort of negotiation, whether it be on behalf of an influencer marketing agency, a tool, uh, or just the brand itself getting in touch with them, I believe is how you would negotiate cost for influencers. Um, it's worth noting though, to, to answer your first question, some influencers, and this is in one of the articles that I think we'll include in there. It's, I think it's a paid one though, but it does touch on this idea that influencers may do more branded content for free on TikTok, especially with bigger brands, because yes, they actually do get like the, the native piece of content like embedded in people's feeds as a result of um, this advertising technique. So yeah, you get followers, you get likes, impressions, like all of the resulting metrics, I suppose, unless it's converting followers over to the brand page um, through a mention is on the creator side. So there's actually a lot of creator benefit. I think that's going to be an interesting gray area in terms of like doing it for free. Like I understand why, like you'd want you get all that extra reach and they're going to put money behind it. But then it's like, as a creator, do you argue that like, but I'm also creating content for your brand at this point. So it's like, you're not getting the reach from my account, but you're getting content. And like, if you were to hire someone to make content, you'd pay them to make you content. If, if they're not a creator, like a social media creator, right? So it's like, it's gonna be interesting to see how that kind of all plays out. I'd say for emerging creators, it's just such an amazing opportunity. Like it, if you were ever to just get the attention quickly, like I suppose I look at it in this way. I've never started a TikTok account. If I did tomorrow, I might try to think about how every five videos or something, I can embed a brand that I would want to work with within the video in a way that's just unassuming that actually is just like, hey, I like this brand. I support them. I endorse them. I advocate for them, whatever. And if you do get the attention of somebody and they go, hey, like we'd love to test out working with you. We have a huge upcoming campaign. We want to include this creative as part of our Spark ads. We're going to put 15K of ad spend behind it or something like that. What do you say? It's like you could choose to negotiate back, of course, you'll have that opportunity, or be like, go right ahead. Start this and take this one for free. If it works out for you guys, come back to me and we can negotiate and talk like dollars on the next one. I'm not recommending that to anybody out there, but like seems like a possible win-win scenario. Creators are pretty savvy, but I'm sure we'll see some slip-ups. Like we'll see some 
brands running ads where then there's other brands stuff in the ad that they hadn't, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing this Nike thing, but then I've got, you know, Under Armour's whatever, and there's no logo on it, but it's clearly, clearly an Under Armour garment or whatever. Yeah, it's, there's going to be a lot of scenarios uh, coming into play. Even one would be like, you know, actual rev share. And then that will, I'm sure there'll be eventual stories of brands that maybe didn't actually pay up the appropriate amount from a certain campaign. Who knows? One other thing I wanted to throw here, I didn't include it in our, in our pre, pre-podcast email, but what do you both think about Twitter announcing they're taking um, fleets off the platform entirely? Maybe that speaks to like how little it's being used. I got to make another mention to Teresa because I, I did a comparison also quickly between like, I just wanted to see social relevancy or social currency today. You know, this is skateboarding. This is only people who are probably watching that. And a large part of it would have been Brazilian contingent here um, who's going to follow this woman, but a good amount globally as well. She's gained, she only signed up for Twitter, like call it a month ago or something like start of July. Um, but she's gained about 300 and something thousand followers on there. So put it in comparison with like the leaps she's made on Instagram where she already had an audience, but granted, and on TikTok where she was barely getting started until the Olympics. Um, I think the influence pendulum is very much swinging away from Twitter as, as much as I hate to say it, um, although it does still have its relevance. I think it has its relevancy for certain industries and such, but like consumer marketing and like when you look at like apparel, e-commerce, like certain industries that tend to take a bit of the spotlight right now. I don't think Twitter is necessarily like the spot where you're, you're going to find the best bang for your buck, but Hey, experiment out there. Like if you have time, you have the people, you have the expertise for all the platforms. You can also win on that. I think like everything else, if you don't get adoption on a, on something on a platform, then you can't monetize it. I think Twitter didn't get the adoption level that they would have needed to then have ads really work for it. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad they pulled it. It was interesting to see them publicly be like, yeah, this didn't work. We're pulling it. We're taking it back. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like you don't see that in, in social, from social media companies. Hey, we tried something. It, it kind of flamed out. It didn't, didn't go anywhere near as we thought it would. We're just going to walk that back and we're going to pretend it never happened. Like I was just surprised that they came out from so publicly. Like it wasn't just like I jumped on the platform one day and it was, there was just no more fleets. Like they were like, Hey, we're taking this away in a month. Um, but I mean like, that's going to happen when you try to, I mean, it's not innovating because everyone else has done it, but it's going to happen as you make changes. Like not all of it's going to work. And so even for someone as big as Twitter, a change like that, which already has consumer behavior built into it from all the other apps still didn't work. So I just thought it was an interesting little story. I feel like Instagram has had a couple spouts like that, but just like more silent about their, what didn't work. So yeah, they honesty from Twitter. Twitter does have a way of standing out in some way, no matter what. So if honesty is one way, and like, even just to like kind of battle the point I made earlier, Twitter can still be happy with the fact that Risa decided to make a Twitter account during her period of fame. And they did flock 300 and something thousand followers that are definitely active towards the platform. So Absolutely. But do either of you have any other stories before we jump off here today? One thing I'll mention just about TikTok, since we've talked a lot about the subject, is they're also working on creator, creator tools with Vimeo. Um, basically, like bringing tools to the platform that will make it easier for businesses to build their content. And so that's the thing where it's I'm rather on the B2B side, there's a ton of application with that. I'm not really sure what they're doing, but Vimeo is a, a great platform that connects to a lot of 
potential lead gen and CRM and such. So more connectivity, more tracking, more metrics potentially for brands. I'm not really sure what that'll mean, but I'll follow it. Yeah. I wonder what it's going to look like on Vimeo's side. Like how I'm just curious to see what this all rolls out to look like, especially like to make content easier. Like I feel like TikTok's already so easy to make content for anyways. Like how are they going to make it easier? You know what I mean? Um, But I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like from a Vimeo side. Like, is there going to be a TikTok integration on the Vimeo side where you can consume TikTok videos on Vimeo? Like how does that work both ways? But Probably in some way analytical and then potentially like, yeah, I don't like, I imagine they're not going to replace anything on the the actual tool of like how you, how you create videos. But um, I think about like how you can embed certain things in Vimeo videos or like CTAs, um, follow-up video, I don't know, all sorts of shit like, potentially. And it's really one company potentially learning from another that knows video really, really, really well. Um, so yeah. Yeah. who knows, right? Maybe you can be able to start sharing your Vimeo videos to TikTok because I mean, they're obviously higher production quality and like back to, uh, the podcast comes out in a couple of weeks um but they're extending video lengths on on tiktok with the expectation that they're going to get longer i'm pretty sure they they've increased it already in doyen to like i think he said 15 minutes i could be wrong about that um so like is there going to be something where they're trying to up level the, the the video quality on tiktok with some more professional looking videos i don't want to get too deep into this now but you're giving me a lot of thoughts because like if we go a little bit backwards to where you brought up netflix and the fact that like tiktok is on almost just taking this step now. Um, I think we brought this on the last episode. Maybe we didn't, but that they reached, I'm, oh, I might've just posted about this on LinkedIn. Um, throughout, throughout the last month, it was also found that like they were one of you now five apps total to have like gone past 2.5 billion spending within the app. Um, and so like now you think of them competing, like Netflix called them a competitor within the last month officially. So Maybe when you look forward again at entertainment, we're thinking about entertainment here, TikTok and video and what how that entertains people. I I totally forgot about like the culture of Vimeo and where people upload a lot to Vimeo over the course of time. Or it might be another video platform, but that's just quality like content because it streams so well. Um, maybe even where it becomes a flip version for like certain like longer form content where you want to enjoy it more landscape wise, because traditionally it's going to be shot landscape, like short movies little mini docos, all that type of stuff and how easy it could be to just push it towards that and then have the analytics on the back end. You might be getting somewhere, Jacob, but who knows? That's just all skepticism right this where we're at. Not, not that, um, but I'm just guessing. I think it's definitely a rabble because like Chris Stokel-Walker who had on the podcast, like, which comes out I think in like two weeks from now. Um, but we talked about this and it's like, at what point is it making all these changes and making TikTok a long form video content app? Like how does that take away what makes TikTok so perfect right now? Like is, you make it longer and longer. Like I was saying how like I go on TikTok for so long because I can watch just one more video like 30 times and that's half an hour. But if it's a 30 minute video that pops up, there's no way I'm going to watch that. Cause I'm like, oh, that's half an hour. I can't commit half an hour, but I will watch 31 minute video. So it should be curious to see how TikTok kind of navigates this. as They try to add more elements of entertainment into their platform and how that's going to change the experience on the app, which has allowed it to get as popular as it's gotten. Also, one final thing. This isn't a story, but this is officially one year ago. Today is when the first episode of the social report came out. It was July 2020. Hey. So we've been doing these episodes for over a year now. And I just thought it was pretty cool. I wanted to make sure I remember to, to call that out on it's, crazy. it's already been a year. And Jacob has also done like 
at least over like 125 or I don't know how many episodes officially of a podcast you've done of like rock solid introductions. <laughs> yeah. Just can't miss. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. I appreciate it. I just done so many at this point that like, it's just, I sometimes like I'll be doing them for, cause I record a, for interviews, I record an intro before before that, that like come before the interview yeah, yeah. and like I've caught myself zoning out and just realizing I finished my intro but like had not been present for the entire thing because I've just done it so many times <laughs> that my eyes can like glaze over and I can just not be there when I say the intro um but no I appreciate that he's a robot <laughs> apparently um but no a podcast a lot <laughs> Uh, but thank you both so much this is always a blast um i'll make sure both your social channels are linked in the show notes scott you're at scott underscore birdie on instagram karen you're at bond jane bond instagram and twitter and scott you're also scott birdie on linkedin karen you're karen o'brien on linkedin everything will be linked in the show notes down below if people can find it if you'd like to follow me i'm at the jacob kelly on all social media so feel free to check me out there um links to all the stories that we talked about today are also going to be in the description so if you want to do a little bit of extra reading extra watching on any of the things we talked about it's all down there for you to check out if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to leave us a positive rating and review and as always today's podcast is powered by true fan thanks you once again for listening everybody we'll talk soon